the Podjectivity Network. Maybe you should kick it off. Give it some structure. Or do you want me to just give you the history of the Bucks in my lifetime? Okay, so very recently, the Milwaukee Bucks won. What did they win, Chris? Championship. What's the trophy called, Dan? The Larry O'Brien Trophy. Coming coming back to Milwaukee for the first time in 50 years. And isn't it funny how that shit happens in sports? 50 years. 50 50 years. 50 the players from that team are still alive, but they're at the end of their lives. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is well into his wizard phase. Where yeah, it was nice to see him in the five serve forum. And Oscar Robinson, Oscar Robinson, too. Robinson. Yeah. And some other legends. I'm going to give you the casual observer take. Starting with... I thought... I had mixed feelings about the refs. I felt like I understand that they have to draw the line somewhere in making calls. So it's not a melee. So it's not Calico Storico or whatever that oh, hyper violent Italian. Italian game was. The games that I watched were very physical. I was noticing that... Um, Holiday and Booker in game five were intensely physical with each other. I I remember the phrase that you were using was the butt bump. The booty bump. Yeah. That was happening was Holiday's booty was propelling Booker back a good foot. Chest bumping. Oh. When they've come up the floor. Yeah. Take a guy with your chest and they they keep bumping you and you keep Shoulder to chest, yeah. So some of the mm. impressions that I really got was I was happy to see that kind of physicality, that it wasn't all dainty basketball of like where the refs were just calling every single thing that was happening. HD helps too. I feel like they let them play mostly in game six. I felt like they they were kind of calling more. I, I, I was a little bit unhappy with the refs in game six. I didn't know exactly why. But like it favored the Bucks too much? No. I am so completely Because I thought that a couple times, that it was favoring the Bucks too much. I, I, it's not that I discredit what the refs bring to the game and why you have to have them, but it's always the least interesting part of the game to me. Mm. And when people start analyzing the job that they did or the difference that this call made or that call made, I'll grant why... I understand why that conversation's being had. It's not like it wasn't part of the action or it doesn't sometimes swing momentum and blah blah blah, but like you don't watch this you don't watch a sport for the officials. And there's going to be some human error, but overall they do all right. Let's talk about the game. You know what I mean? And the players like right. that's Well, what, I think that's what the, that what, I'm getting better with that as I get older. I used to be a real ref hassler. I yeah. like that that's I really whine about they, it. I thought they walked the fine line very well because they let the game play, but they also didn't let egregious things right. happen so that people were going to get hurt. Basically, I was surprised at how much acting I saw uh, amongst <laughs> the players. They looked like soccer players to me when they were just like, oh, 
my eye or you know the the slide back on the the lengths they go to yes very dramatic to sell in the moment I didn't... It's as much about acting mm-hmm. as it is about executing. Yeah. That, I That was surprising. Startling. That was surprising. And they're not punished for trying to deceive the official. Right. They see it in the review. You can see like when a guy just goes, oh. <laughs> right. And that that deception and, and trying to gain an advantage, an advantage through deception is, you know, there's something cynical about that that i think yeah. damages the integrity of the game a little bit like the previous series just because patrick you beverly. can do something like that doesn't mean you should man you're the, hurting the game the patrick beverly devin booker stuff that's probably a little too deep over here but the suns previously played the clippers and they have a dog of a player patrick beverly uh-huh. and he like i don't know if he broke devin booker's nose i mean that was the report whoa but he like ever so deftly headbutted him it was like a combination of a fake, and then he leaned forward. But net result, he like went across the bridge of Booker's nose. Yeah. And he was bleeding and whatnot. So I guess that's got to be broken in some fashion. And that was a great example of that. It's like, yeah, we get it. You fucking want it more than everybody. But that's too far. It's obvious when it's too far. Yep. With how physical the game looked to me, I'm shocked people don't get injured more often, which mm-hmm. is good. I feel like that's good. Let them play. They should know the limits, unless it was like the Pistons in mm. against the Bulls in that um, really violent where the Bulls were like people oh. were getting clotheslined out yeah. of midair and right. things like that. You know, like there were basically punches and you know what looked like tackling even back then. You know, <laughs> yeah, these are, yeah. it's not a it's not a stretch when you look back. Yeah, and some of these hard fouls they just got fucking ripped out of the air and landing awkwardly and then getting back up and throwing punches back then too. (laughs) And there was was... no review and nobody got thrown out. Occasionally somebody got thrown out, but then they would just cool off and keep playing. So it it seemed to me in watching this, the the players knew their boundaries fairly well. Mm -hmm. They were pushing them. They were acting a little, they were, uh, (laughs) I mean, I saw some attitude that, I actually really enjoyed. I mean, it was it was it was definitely entertaining to watch. I kind of fell in love with Booker in game five because he was so graceful and so um, dynamic and just so on that I was really disappointed to see that that they didn't play their best in the last game. Mm -hmm. Like that was disappointing Mm because I like it when both teams play their best to win a championship. Mm -hmm. So it sucks that it kind of went out on. They fizzled. I would say the, the bucks also weren't playing their best either. I listened to Bill Simmons analyze a little bit of it and I kind of agreed. He kind of validated what I was noticing when I was watching it with my kids, which is that the game was, it was one of those Michael Jordan moments for Giannis. Right. And what's the phrase that it you've used before? It's like you're not going to let the team... Willing himself to win. He's willing himself to win, and as long as he's at the helm, he's just not going to let them lose. And I felt that as soon as he started making his free throws, because I know he's notorious for missing free throws. So as soon as I saw him making free throws, I'm like, oh, this is a Michael Jordan situation. He's not going to let his team lose. They're going to win this game. That was pretty early on, maybe like second 
second quarter, I'm like, they're clearly going to win. <laughs> because he was just in that mentality and I'm like oh okay it doesn't matter how poorly his his team is playing offensively he's gonna win this game for them and he did and both ends of the floor too but I I do feel like my favorite shot of the entire game was that three-pointer that Middleton made at the end that was like uh they needed maybe just a little room in that kept being like six at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until it like got to eight. That was probably my favorite. Regardless, there have been of- big swings. They'd been up by as many as 15 or 16. Yeah. In every game, huge swings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily put Fell a- behind huge in game five. And then I don't by halftime. It's just a game again. Just one thing. I, yeah. One thing I learned with watching with my dad was like, it doesn't matter how far a lead you have in the first quarter. It just doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's sort of like, you could be ahead 20 points and it can be a completely different game by the time the third quarter runs around. So runs going on runs, teams going on runs, you know, that's, that's the phrase and it's common. And that you get into a flow and that's sort of just nerves. And they look like both teams look like absolute shit. The first two minutes. And that was just nerves. I mean, I think everyone just knew. Big moment. Crazy. Isn't it crazy? The, it's their yeah. job. They it, go out, it's their job every night. What a stage, though. I mean, right. talk about all that being on the line. And every time I look at the players, I'm like, God, they look so young. They just look just fresh out of college to me. Some of them do. Booker looks young. Giannis looks young to me. Um, Chris Paul obviously doesn't look young. but mm, Another disappointing end for Chris Paul. And, of course, the articles come like, does this cause, you know, this causes career in question or something you know what i mean the stuff like oh another playoff failure like the other major yeah, takeaway for me was how exceptional an athlete obviously Giannis was he could he could do whatever he wanted to play his own game and his confidence was stunning and it was incredible to watch but i still missed gene hackman um, we're all going to win this together basketball. Uh. So it was like, I would rather see a team play well mm. offensively and Interesting. like that an individual, than great an individual superstar, blow even everyone you, away. Even though you grew up watching Michael Jordan in his prime, but he was always, I feel like Pippen was always right there kind of pushing there. There, Michael Jordan was obviously the man, the man, but, I never got the sense that he was out there alone. I, I, I don't know how to explain that. You felt Giannis dominated in a different kind of way. Than- I think he, no, I think most of his support came from the other end defensively. Like, and I feel like um, maybe, I don't know. I have to give that some thought. Anyway, I think Dan needs to well, go, Dan. I'm gonna, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all Dan I have to say. So I'll start by big timing you just a little bit. Do it. That. The Bucks' offense was really a team effort. The amount of work they have to do to move the ball around and to get it to Giannis where he can flourish the most. Okay. And also, he became even more. Well, no, he. It's this is this is what he's been developing into the whole time, which is he also knows when to give it up too. Like uh-huh. he gets his fifty, but he knows when to defer. He gets his, you know, he gets his 50. 
<laughs> with one three-pointer the whole game. That's 50 the old-fashioned way, like the Shaq way. And like, because his numbers are comparable to Shaq. So if you look, uh, forget era, style of play or anything, those are Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal wow. type, type dominating numbers. Hmm. I, I'm overwhelmed. I don't, that was wonder. I wanted to butt in so many times, but it was good to just, it was better to just well, let that's you my express it. Observer. I only watch the finals right. kind of take. So I'll take the, after game five, you were kind of disappointed that it didn't look better in game six. Also, I can't emphasize enough how much I fell in love with Booker mm. during game five. He was that's perfectly so valid. Beautiful to watch. He's been good stats, bad team uh, guy since he's been in the league. <laughs> and he just needed some more players around him, some better players, and they got lucky and they got Chris Paul. Uh. A lot of why the game ended the way it did in game six is that is the collective. Uh, it sounds corny, mm -hmm. but all this sports stuff does. But that was, that's what a collective realization is you're, of you're getting dominated is. Ah, and very that's, nice. Yeah, and yeah, what yeah. we saw from Giannis is that's what somebody learning how to dominate looks like. And he's breaking everybody's spirit. And he like, did. And the refing thing is interesting. At times, there's a few of those. I've watched basketball my whole life. You'll hear that phrase about 30 more times. Mm-hmm. I've watched somebody get calls like that my whole life, whether it's name every player, Jordan, Kobe, Shaq. Every player gets the calls. And it's still sinking in. It's hard to believe that we have that guy now. That, like, if it's ever questionable, he gets the call. He gets to shoot free throws. Mm. He's the face of the league. Like, and we have – and once – so once that, once that got established – I was pretty confident it was over. A couple of those good whistles in the first half, like, oh, this is superstar stuff. They're giving him home fans. They're giving him, this is the treat. This is the coronation. They're giving him the treatment, the theater of church. That's a big part of the NBA, the lore, the legend. That theater, ending a finals like that, they gave him, the NBA gave him the, the coronation. Interesting you should use that language because my brother texted me afterwards, Giannis is the new king. The king is dead in and L.A. Long live the king. So it's I, it's not because of the refs, like like you said. I love that take. That As a, a younger Dan bitched about the refs all the time, and it's all I cared about. It's all I focused on. Oh, what a fucking bad call. Oh, they always screw us. Oh. That was me to the extreme. Um, but it does play a role especially at the Jordan, Kobe, Giannis level of getting calls. Well, the problem... But enough about the calls. The problem about those players getting calls, I mean, that's... There, there's a sort of annoying implication in there that they need help from the officials to succeed or something, which, you know, part of why they get calls is nobody can fucking check them. You know, they're the, impossible to fucking guard without fouling because they're so good. And the other implication is, if you didn't do something to him, he would have scored. Like, he scores every time. Oh, so yeah. you must have done something. 
you got between Giannis and the basket, you you hacked him or something, you know. So the way game six, that's what I'm spinning out on is we saw the coronation. We've played them. They've played for five previous games. That's a long fucking night. And especially when the Bucks made adjustments and started took over. And it's just that I've watched that every year for my whole life. And it's been other people. Ah. And this time it was my team. And it's inconceivable. <laughs> it's inconceivable that I was watching my team do that. Wow. Break the other team. Make them realize they're make them make them realize it and it's it's beautiful and that's how it ends i think i i feel that like uh even when we were missing baskets like missing points essentially mm-hmm. the sort of the bond i guess of our team uh-huh I, I think I get it, what you're saying. Like, whenever I see Lopez... Loyalty. We're talking about loyalty and and identifying with your home state squad. It's back to that, too. Who are the players that were on the floor? Giannis' glory is all of our reflected glory. What are their names, sure is. Dan? Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. Played at Stanford with his twin brother, Robin Lopez, who was a buck last year. Who looks like Sideshow Bob. He's been in the league. Uh, he's been a buck. I, uh, I just want to give a little bio of each guy, a quick bio. Of Please each guy. do. Uh, and I'll, uh, he's been a buck for three to four years. He makes about $13 million and came from Brooklyn and was one of the early adopters to believing in Giannis and coming to Milwaukee when he had choices. He was a free agent, came to Milwaukee. Who else? Drew Holiday. I honestly thought. For many years, his name was J. Rue. Ah, Drew. Until I heard someone say it. I love that name. I just thought name. it was J. Rue. Drew. But drafted by the Sixers. Uh, bounced around a little bit. Uh, the Sixers moved on from him. He went to the New Orleans Pelicans, where he played with the Lakers' Anthony Davis and Rajon Rondo. And was it before Giannis signed his big extension, he signed with Milwaukee. We traded for him. We traded for his contract, a number of players. Mm. I'll spare the audience that part. Okay. He's been in the league about eight years. His My- wife is a soccer player and had cancer. Oh. Uh, he's a beautiful dude. Good dude. He has three. There's three brothers that play in the NBA. Justin Holiday, Drew Holiday, and... Hmm. You suck, Danny. And don't two of them third. play for the Pacers. The other two of them play for the Pacers. Okay, that's enough. Chris Middleton. Played at Texas A&M. He was drafted by the Pistons uh, nine years ago, ten years ago. Uh, the Bucks traded draft mistake Brandon Jennings for him and got him from Detroit. And he and Giannis are the only two that have been there the whole – like they've been there the same amount of time. They mm-hmm. came in together. But Middleton, it, Drew, Middleton Lopez. is the veteran of the one of the veterans of the squad. He and PJ Tucker, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, Middleton's about the same age as Giannis. Same age, but all right. So they've been playing in Milwaukee. Like a, he might be a year older than Giannis. He Fair played enough. American college ball. Gotcha. And and uh, was a rookie at Detroit, and then we got him, I think, in his second year. Gotcha. So number four position is is that the guy? 
with the white sweatband, or is that Portis is comes off the bench? Who's the other starter? Oh yeah, PJ Tucker. Tucker. Texas Longhorn. Tattoo guy. Yes. Did Texas he play Longhorn. with K- KD in Texas or oh, before? Played before KD, mm-hmm. but they're both UT guys. Mm-hmm. PJ Tucker played for the Houston Rockets for many years. Gave all the best years of his career. Because what we're seeing now, sadly, but we see this. You see this in the finals. Part of guys that tenure that was, was Chris Paul, right? He played with Chris but Paul. But he played with Houston, the beard, who James Harden with? for years. Hmm. And then eventually with Chris Paul also. And those Rockets teams got close to championships many times uh, against like the Golden State Warriors. Hmm. And uh, the Clippers took him out once in just egregious fashion when Chris Paul was a Clipper. Uh, wow. So PJ, through it all. PJ, we're going to start getting guys, aside, we're going to start getting guys like that now that we've won a title is we're going to be getting veteran players that want to ring. So, you know, not like dozens of them, but every year we're going to have a, there's going to be somebody, some veteran that wants a ring. Tell me about Portis. Why did he say in the speech afterward that he was outside the bubble? Was he excluded from the team when they were practicing during COVID? Did he play during the bubble season? Uh, I don't know. Okay. That was my one question after the speeches. I'm like, what's he talking about? Okay. Is he part of the... Let's talk about Bobby Portis. Yeah. He played for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Real quick. He was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. He, in practice... Got in a fight with a teammate who then became a buck, Nikola Miritich, who was a buck a year or two ago. Uh, Obviously, a European dude with a big beard. And they got in a fight in practice, and Bobby Portis, like, punched him so hard that he he was out for, like, several weeks. Wow. With a concussion. Like, something went down. And Bobby Portis let his coil loose and, like caved this guy in <laughs> oh my god so relationship tainted in chicago uh he then got shipped to the knicks for a year and the knicks had a bizarre team of cast off free agents but you have to your salary has to go somewhere hmm. and then he came to the bucks i think he was just a free agent i don't think we traded for him he was a free agent he was who wants to take important. a chance on this wild card and he's six foot ten and physical, and he can shoot an open jump shot. He's got a little bit of offensive ability. So he's a huge upgrade over what we had a year ago. Hmm. Uh, size helps. And helps to be big. he came in, he came up fucking huge in game six. Yeah. I mean, when, when Middleton and Holiday were struggling, Portis right. gave Giannis that right. little bit of help that he, he needed. I mean, he, he essentially did it all himself, but he can't do it. All yourself. You right. know what I mean? Like the score yeah, wasn't 50. That, yeah, so Portis came up huge. But I want to get back to Dan's analysis on this because he's put a lot more thought. Well, the it, last player is Giannis. I've got you all the time in the You world. have not covered Giannis in yet. This, time, but, time, time, time. But, but uh, game five was my favorite in Phoenix because I had such oh. reservations about our ability to win it, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And, and and part of it is there are these variables like uh, 
who's going to show up and score? Are we going to be shooting well? There had been some inconsistencies. We made it work. But, you know, the fact that Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis were all getting off simultaneously mm, and right? sharing it. Took four games of Holiday struggling. And, oh. Yeah. But when watching that click gave me it was a it was a really sweet reversal of my frustration during the first two games watching the Suns and even what I'd seen in the series before was like son of a bitch everybody can shoot on this team really well (laughs) they're all good shooters and then they've got a bunch of weapons of guys young guys that I've never heard of before that can also like take it to the hole create their own shots like how the fuck do you guard one through five they're just too many weapons and uh and when holiday when holiday and middleton and Giannis were all fired at the same time it gave me that confidence as a fan of just saying like oh we're too hard to guard right now we're fucking impossible to guard you can't stop all of that no one could stop all of that and in game was it game five that middleton uh was holiday in foul trouble but I'm getting I'm breaking it down too far. Okay. Just that enough it, times you saw that Chris Wendelton can make a twelve to fifteen foot shot when it matters over and over and over again. He can't get close to the basket because he's not deft enough and strong enough to hold on to the ball. Because when you go into the lane, it's just two big hands coming down on you. Holiday's got that shit though. every time. So, That's why it was so. I who I mentioned this at one point where he called a timeout because people were all over him. It, I think this was in Game Six, wasn't it? Where there was like two people covering him, yeah. and he just had the ball, and it was getting close to the end of the game. He's like, timeout, 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 timeout. Get off of me! Yes, you're crowding me in his lane. Yeah, he can make a twelve to fifteen foot jumper. Well, not just that, but over and over again, his threes. And his ability to shoot threes while moving or crossing right. over or coming at a, off yeah. of a weird angle off some, of a screen. He took career-defining shots Dude. game after game after game. Okay, Because that's his job. And when, when he's shooting poorly, there is no option. There isn't some other guy to bring in. Mm. It's you. You're either going to make him or not. And he always warmed up. And by the end, when it really mattered, he was always there. Because then they're just on muscle memory. By the end, it's just... They're not thinking anymore. It's just desperation. And they, so. Tell me about Giannis, though. What's his story? We're not done. Pat Connington. Oh, uh, okay. The white guy, man. Yeah, white guy. He makes, he one of my friends texts six. like every single night. He makes $1.7 million a year. That's low. He's a Massachusetts kid. Asshole. He played at Notre Dame. And. I think the Bucks drafted him. There's one part I might be wrong about, hmm. but he's a Buck now. He's and fine. He's better than fine. Okay, lay it on me. Nobody has worked harder hmm. to achieve the level of athleticism it takes to play and has developed his basketball mind. Oh, okay. To be able to be out there in games like that. Uh him in slow motion, hmm. replays of him playing defense in slow motion because he guarded Devin fucking Booker most of the time. And Booker didn't score because he was getting easy shots. He was 
Connington played textbook, unbelievable defense on him ah. over and over and over and over again and only got scored on because Booker's just that good. Hmm. Uh, remarkable. And he hit big shots and so happy for a guy That's like That's great too. defense, but better offense. <laughs> that was... That was one thing, too, that I took away from watching this these games was I couldn't believe how good all the defense was. I right. couldn't believe you it. You hear all the time that they don't play defense in the I NBA. couldn't believe it. But you saw it. That's what I it couldn't looks believe like. it. Hey, That's what it looks all like. right, sorry if we're going to talk about defense. They had P.J. Tucker guarding Booker quite a bit as well, and he's fucking tough and scrappy. And yeah. it's no picnic to be guarded by that guy. Yeah. He's constantly but, getting away with something and then litigating with the ref yeah, while he's doing but, it. But <laughs> now I forget when exactly in the series this was, but no fault of his, through no fault of his, he was getting fucking lit up by Booker. Yeah. And it's too old. Too slow. I guess. It. I guess. I mean, and Booker's just... His, kind of impossible to guard. His looked like three feet. Kind of impossible to guard until Drew Holiday gets switched over. Right. And starts putting the fucking glove on him. And all of a sudden, Booker's shots aren't falling yeah. consistently. The and, amount of work it takes to get open, to get your shot up against a guy. Oh, my God. And they're just not able to get it to him because of... Holiday's aggressive denial, so aggressive. and and like you yeah. see a level of oh, defense, a level man. up, and a player, a player rise to a moment, you know, yeah. and that's not as glorious. And they don't show replays on a lot of that stuff, like they do the dunks and the, you know, the the more glamorous aspects of the game. But for people who yeah. play it and like know what a great defensive stop means and how that's just as important as the alley-oop dunk that wins the game. It's just, that's not a highlight, but I fucking, that was one of my highlights of watching it was when 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 Holiday had to step up to that. Because, you know, there's a strategy in terms of who you put on the number one scoring option who's just going to run somebody fucking ragged. And then your concern as a coach is, will this guy have any juice left to score Right down at the other end? Just they, fuck up his game. You just sometimes I'll, sacrifice just the Go scoring. in there and fuck up his game. P.J. Tucker. Yeah, so really, he just plays really defense. hard. People say there's no defense in the NBA. We had a guy on our team who only plays defense. <laughs> right. And he played four on five offensively. He's made a very good living just playing defense. They play defense been, in the NBA. He's been great at it. Amazing. But... But was having a hard time. Was Booker was getting the better of him over and over again. I love that. And and the fact that this team was versatile enough to be like, all right, well, we can sacrifice one of our scorers. That's a coach move. That's yeah, good coaching. And nice job by Coach Bud. And 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 now it's time to show y'all what what Holiday can do on the defensive end when he really turns it on and turns the fucking screws on somebody. He's and all it NBA was like, good. Oh. Special. Well, and the steal. A I good mean, size. He's a good size guy. Here's how good he was. You know, I don't watch a ton of basketball, but when my eyes are drawn to him and what he's doing defensively, even when Booker doesn't have the ball, <laughs> that mm -hmm. means he's doing a really good job because it's just sort of like whatever the, whatever that guy's doing right there, that's fucking up that is the disruptive. flow of the game. It that is, is disruptive. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It is 
It is disruptive. That's the same kind of will that you can sometimes see people impose on the defensive end. It's kind of the defensive equivalent of Giannis charging through the lane, mm-hmm. barreling down the lane with one of his drives and saying, who can who can stop me? You know? But the the other thing that was a, a point that was made... <laughs> Dan is... Oh, Dan's dunking I'm in the air I'm acting out right dunks <laughs> with one and two hands. See if you agree with this analysis, Dan, that... Like Lopez this is going. I'm looking at a lot of this all night. I'm looking at a lot of basketball jerseys right now because both Andy and Dan should we are say what we're wearing quickly? Jerseys. By all means, this is a 1993. I want to say vintage uh, Dream Team, original Dream Team jersey, replica jersey of Chris Mullen, number thirteen. Number thirteen. Yeah, I'm wearing a post purple era. Andrew Bogut jersey, uh, green. They were still using red here. From his short tenure with the Bucks. It's before they uh, <laughs> went back to the, or before they changed again. Yeah. Okay, so what? So we were saying that that was underwhelming. Uh, Lopez. No, it's good. But it'll come during Bucks history. We'll talk about Andrew Bogut in Bucks history. Uh, Lopez moves well for a seven footer. Beautiful and, man has great YMCA yeah. game. <laughs> Lopez. But I mean, he's. You expect he's lumbering. You think he can't move, and then all of a sudden you watch me. He's like nimble. Yeah, he's nimble. Uh, he, he is a he's, and here's the expression. You could say that he moves well for a seven footer. Yes, and that your traditional big man or seven footer is sort of a dying breed in the modern NBA. Like it's it's so, or so we think. We've heard small ball, but I mean. It's it's a it's it's a far cry. The modern right. landscape is from Ewing, Robinson, Olajuwon, Olajuwon, on and on, where everybody had Bogut. a dominant big man, Bogut. Exactly. So so Bogut falls into that camp of, you know, moves well for a seven footer. Bogut's well, got some rings. Good passer. But Giannis, dirty screener. Giannis doesn't just move well for a seven footer. He moves really well for a human. Right. Right. He's, of any size, who happens to be he's a Terminator, and KD has that. He's as a well. normally proportioned guy who just is seven feet tall. But his but his quickness, I tell me if this is hyperbole. I feel like his explosiveness past whoever's in front of him was like Russell Westbrook in his in his prime, almost explosive yeah. and fast, where it just looked like a fucking time warp sometimes. Like Size advantage. He was there one second, and then he's at the rim, and you didn't even fucking see the move almost. It was just... No, I, it's not hyperbole, because he scored 50 in a NBA Finals game. <laughs> After He scored 40 points and had, what is it, 40 and 15, or 40, mm-hmm. whatever, but three times in the Finals. And had two 20-point quarters. Last done by Jordan and uh, somebody else. Uh, more important players. Coach Bud. Coach Bud, longtime coach of the Atlanta Hawks. They had some 60-win seasons, but never advanced too far in the playoffs. First-round exit. Uh, Al Horford. Jeff Teague got some quality minutes for the Bucks. He didn't do a whole lot, but... He's one of Bud's guys. Coach Bud was a long, even longer time assistant of Greg Popovich. Came up in the Spurs system. 
So when we hired him, I was very excited. As much as I like Jason Kidd, I don't know if I like Jason Kidd or if he's any good or whatever. Was thrilled to get him to get a pop disciple. And there's a series on Adrian Wojnarski's Wojnarski's podcast, Woj, that they just reposted because the Bucks won a three-part thing about where Giannis came from. Uh, the story, in short, the story of that draft and the story of his discovery is that the Atlanta Hawks did all the legwork and discovered Giannis. And they were, they were going to take him. Where did the he come from? The mean streets of Athens, Greece, Chris. Yeah, he came from Greece. They just found him? He was a refugee. His family are refugees from Nigeria. Wow. Sorry if I've got the wrong country. Uh, hmm. Poor. I don't want to go too much into that because you. Everybody but he was knows playing basketball over there. But him and his brothers were playing basketball, yeah. Okay. And dominating all the little Greek people. And <laughs> the Hawks they? brought him to America. The swarthy little Greeks. No, the America I'm... that you hate, Chris. I don't they hate brought... <laughs> it. I just said I don't identify as an American. Okay. They brought him over. They wined and dined him. There's lots of great stories about uh, him and I forget which brother it was. It could have been Thanasis or Kostas. They got to play in like NBA facilities. They gave him shoes and socks and stuff, and they couldn't believe they got to keep it and stuff. It was just so cute. Mm. And they went to dinner at the general manager's house, Danny Ferry, ex-Duke player. Uh, And Coach Bud was there. And that's when they got to know each other. And it's a beautiful story. That's another podcast you can listen to, The Woj Pod, three-part mm. series on Giannis. So on draft day, though, the Bucks are before them. And in short, uh, John Hammond, the Bucks GM, he has like two sentences in the three-part podcast. And one of them is like, the best thing we did that year in the draft was we just kept our mouth shut. <laughs> so they knew too. The Bucks what the Bucks were watching too. Oh. How much the the Hawks were putting into him. Mhm. And the Bucks took him. Cuz they were first. They were one pick ahead of him. And wow. it sent Atlanta's draft board into despair. How chaos. did they, that get, they all their plans were to take this guy. Did they get the other brothers too somehow? No, the brothers have made no, they've all made their own way. Okay. They're not as successful, obviously. They're bench players. but For different teams? We can talk about that, too. Different more. teams, though. One of them's a Laker and one of them's a Buck. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so what did you think of his performance? So, Coach Bud, no, we're not to Giannis yet. Oh, we're not? No. Uh, we have to give the Phoenix Suns some love. Okay. This you, will be shorter. Yeah, go. DeAndre Ayton uh, played at Arizona where he was the centerpiece of a nuclear NCAA scandal Oh, of recorded phone call of a coach saying, I'll give you $100,000, blah, 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 to some, you know, shady person connected to the player. So he was, that's where, that's his college pedigree. Hmm. That's unfortunate. He's been, a that was like, uh, he was drafted in like 2018. Hmm. So this must be year three for him. Uh, and you saw what he is. Very fucking talented guy. Which one is he? Couldn't hold up to Giannis though. The big, their big guy, with the beard, 
He's uh, dreads. He's from like uh, oh, that's Jama- uh, that's Jake Crowder. Okay. He was the guy that with the un- misfortune of guarding Giannis most of the time. Okay. Uh, Chris Paul. Short. Played at Wake Forest. And was in the draft that the Bucks drafted Andrew Bogut in, two thousand. I want to say two thousand or two thousand one. A long time. And I think I'm right about that. That the Bucks. This will come in Bucks history. The Bucks won the draft lottery in the two thousand or two thousand and one, and they drafted Andrew Bogut, number one center from Utah, because basketball was still big man driven, and Chris Paul went third to the hmm. Hornets of the time. Whatever. Has he ever won a championship? Paul, no. Many playoff runs. Brutal. Many disappointing endings. Damn it. Uh, injuries. That's sad. Uh, he was a Clipper for. They went to the play. He went to the playoffs for years as a Clipper hmm. with uh, Lob City, and many disappointing exits. And then he went to the Houston Rockets and played with James Harden, and had several more extremely disappointing exits. And now he's brutal. Then he went. Then when Houston was done with him, they traded him to Oklahoma City. And most players would have been like, get me out of here. A bunch of kids, a bunch of rookies. No, he taught them how to win. Oh, and they were like uh, they were either the eighth seed or barely missed it. One or the other. But like like it was the shock. Oh, yeah. And then he plays one year there, maybe two. He was already old then. And he played put in time there. And then he ends up in Phoenix through a trade or whatever. So like leadership. And he gets with Devin Booker. He's a point guard? Chris yes. Paul's a consummate point guard. Okay. Whose whose nickname is the point god. Well. And Charles Barkley said, he is the best litter in the NBA. Litter? The best litter <laughs> in the NBA. Okay. Charles Barkley. Shooting guard Devin Booker played at Kentucky. Uh, classic basketball factory. And he's been a star his whole life. Was mm. a, he looks young. Do you star know how, Kentucky. How old is he? Do you know? I guess, I'm guessing he's in his fifth year. Okay. Just a guess. Maybe a little he longer. Looks, Mid-20s. He just as time looks goes. so young. Uh, Jay Crowder played at Marquette. Crowder, remind me. Dreadlocks, Dreads. alien okay. dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's their dog. He's their PJ Tucker. Okay. A little bit younger, a little bit better shooter, a little more versatile. He's played for a number of teams. He played for the Celtics in the playoffs. He played for the Utah Jazz in the playoffs. Miami Heat. A year ago, he played for the Miami Heat in the finals against the Lakers. So he's... This is where I'll say there was nobody on the Suns that I disliked. Ah. And that I always hate somebody. Yeah. And I didn't dislike a single player on their team. I the game that's what helped that also helped make the game so fun is I didn't have any bile for anybody. Ah. I was just like they were just trading blows and mm. marvelous to see. Jay Crowder, been around a long time, probably ten years in the league, maybe a little more. Uh and then the other guy I, I guess I'd want to mention would be, uh, well, Frank Kaminsky, of course, who played for the Badgers and went to the Final Four back White to White guy years. with a beard. The white guy with the beard who didn't play very much, but yeah. then he eventually did. He did well. He was a Badger. His 
groomed by Bo Ryan from a small town in Illinois and groomed by Bo Ryan into a, a star, a leader, hmm. and then a litter. And then just barely makes it in the NBA. Like, uh. gets drafted by the Charlotte Hornets by Michael Jordan. And all as good as he was in college, he's barely good enough to be out there. But by golly, he has worked on himself. And he had wow. injury issues early Impressive. in his career. And he's grown into his man body, though. Mm. And it's been great to see. The Suns were on a lot uh, during the season. So, you know, NBA season is a long grind. And the stars don't play every single night a lot of minutes. So some nights Frank started. Huh. He's a competent, a beautiful, competent NBA player. Hmm. And he didn't shrink away from the moment no. when he was. He was awesome. Yeah. When they called his number. When they called his number in game six. Yeah. Frank Frank steps up and yeah. and keeps him in the game kind of through his. Beautiful. Play. Just beautiful. Another another beautiful angle of the finals is everybody's story. That's why I want to give everybody's bio is because to be at, to be in a championship game and to win and to win it, everybody's got their journey there. You know what the music they got yeah. theirs now. That's nice. It's a nice sentence. Except the Suns. <laughs> as tedious as it can be on the radio, Dan, when I'm listening to jazz on Wart. Or mm-hmm. something, and the and the announcer says after song, that was the uh, Miles Davis All Stars with with Dan Higgs on bass <laughs> and uh, Chris Chris Adams on xylophone, <laughs> Andrew Nath on the skin flute, or whatever they <laughs> they run through the whole. Everybody gets mm. the mention and the respect and the recognition for contributing to the sound. Right and on. whether you dig jazz or not, that's refreshing, I think, uh, to the pop culture of like the Dave Matthews band. It's all Dave. Yeah. Isn't Dave great? Let's listen to Dave. Yeah. There's obviously more to it than that. And although the NBA has its stars, you know, the the recognition of and acknowledgement of the defensive dog, mm-hmm. you know, or the guys that the bench guy that comes up and comes big. Yeah. That's part of the beauty of the of the game overall. Kind of like the sound, the composition. The point you made about the offense, maybe not not taking the burden off of Giannis in terms of putting the ball in the hole, but setting him up. Yeah. Getting him in his spots. You know. We have to be shaped a certain way. We have to be in certain places. They, cause, cause the defense is so good. Mm-hmm. They have to work on like how they get him the ball. Mm-hmm. So, other Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think we've covered most of the major dudes. Uh, Dario Saric was hurt. Payne, the left-handed uh, guard, Payne was pretty good. Played at Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, hated him for a number of years. When the Badgers played them, uh, he's been all around. He's done some G League time. Played with the Thunder. Played with Russell Westbrook. There uh, were a couple of other young guards that played a lot that were really quite good. Uh, and Johnson or somebody. Mikhail Bridges. Bridges, Was yes. spectacular. Yes. Well, I'll save him for after Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson was their first-round pick two years ago. He played at North Carolina. He's a big, versatile guy. Uh, seemed to hit every shot he took. Yes. And played... Capable defense. Yeah, right. And always was doing his job. 
Right. The Suns were impressive. That's why I wanted to give them some love. Sure. Uh, yeah. One Came from a big program. Oh, that's Cam Johnson. Okay. Yeah. And then Mikhail Bridges. He also looks super young. Number 25, orange shoes. Seemed to make every fucking shot he took it, until game six, though. You know, until the, the miles caught up to him. And the moment as it happens. Maybe. Yeah. When the moment catches up to you, when you when you the team accepts it and implodes a little bit. They die inside a little bit <laughs> when it's actually over. Man, you see it. They do. How early in game six could you tell it was over? The good calls in the first half were good. Uh, I don't know. That's that's hard to answer. I had a good vibe in the first half. When you saw him, when you saw Giannis making his free throws, did you feel like? Oh yeah. Oh, that was absurd. This game is over. That was absurd. And uh, or did you feel like there was game to be played? No, I think I really think like mid fourth. I think I knew it was done. Mm-hmm. That even no matter what they did, we were going to have an answer. Mm-hmm. That it was just more Giannis. All right, what do you want to go we'll to, to next? I have questions. Mikhail for you, Bridges. But, okay. Played at Villanova. Yeah. Villanova has quietly become a power in college basketball and has won two titles in the last like five years and they're kind of always in it. And excellent, beautifully groomed player. So he's young too. He's in like year two or three and uh, always in the right place. Really a good shooter, confident, plays defense, plays to his limits mm-hmm. on defense. Um, tremendous player who played with a buck that I didn't mention, Dante DiVincenzo, or as the Bucks announcer would say, the big ragu. (laughs) He also played at Villanova on a championship team, played on a, played on a championship team that won on a half court shot at the buzzer. Villanova beat North Carolina like that a few years ago in the title game and DiVincenzo and Bridges were on that team. Uh, and he was hurt. DiVincenzo was hurt. And what might have been that poor guy? He played huge minutes all season, started a lot of games, came off the bench in a lot of games, and he broke his foot. And he, he gets to watch all this in a tracksuit and just... Rough. And he gets a ring, but can you just... He's played his whole life. He's a young guy. Just been in the NBA a couple of years and... Has a broken foot while while they win. That's a that's a tough one. That's really tough. So Giannis, the one the player that we've all heard plenty about. Um, so I don't have a whole lot to say. I guess that's not out there already except uh, ever since he was a gawky six foot nine kid all he's ever said publicly is I want to win a championship and you know he just that's all he ever says and that's all he's ever cared about and the way that the Various players he's played with over the years, and he's had a couple different coaches, and they've had several years of playoff disappointment. You know, getting to the playoffs was euphoric, and 
I think they lost to the Bulls in the their first playoff run. I think they lost to the Bulls in the first round. Uh, but they got there. He got a taste. And all he's done for eight years is just keep grinding every single day to this end. And just, and it, we saw it pay off. And he wasn't to be denied. He wasn't going to be denied. And he's only 26. And it just took having the right circumstances and keep taking punches at it. And he did it. And now that poor kid and the family story and everything is so beautiful. It's his league now. It's beautiful. It's just, it's beautiful. I'd like to interject really quickly to say that my older sister lives in Phoenix and she's not really an active fan, but she just likes to talk shit. So as the playoffs were leading towards a Milwaukee Phoenix showdown, she sent me a sassy little text to the effect of like, so looks like the Suns are going to meet up with your bucks pretty soon. And, and you guys are both from Iowa. Right. <laughs> so that was all I needed to just start the barrage of uh, Giannis dunks in your face. <laughs> Giannis dunks on your head. Giannis dunks on your dreams. You know, <laughs> just, and, you know, the first two games, she was pretty cocky and I had to eat some fucking crow. That's hard. It is. It felt fucking bleak. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I was leaning on the strength of a another friend of mine, Gerald Wright, who you should meet at some point mm-hmm. if you haven't, but he's just this guy who's Wisconsin forever, you know, just has loved the Bucks forever and could take a long view on it and just reassure me in that moment that like, look, we're, we're cool. It's still good. We're in the finals, and uh, I, you know, I think we can do this in Phoenix. Sort of optimism, but there was no way to predict that you know something historic would unfold in right. the way that we we saw it. And sometimes with sports, you don't know if it's hyperbole or if it really was that great. Like true, the block, uh. the value oop. Are they trying to manufacture legendary moments or were they actually worth the hype and Giannis's yeah. performance? We've been watching here, I'll say. The value now. too. Yeah. I, I've watched a lot of basketball. That was singularly awesome. That was that's never happened before. That doesn't happen. And may never happen again. Giannis's alley oop finish, which I thought it was called the value, but yes, Andre DeAndre Ayton did win a series or a game. Yes, that was the value catch. That's called. That's the value. when that phrase got coined. Okay, well, my, I'm such a nerd. I know that. Oh wow! The first time I heard it was our f- mutual friend Mark Lawton uh, saying Giannis's value. I was like, oh, that's good. That's true. Yeah, that was Giannis's value. Oh, I ruined it. I fucking ruined it. It's okay, editing, but <laughs> we were. We were praising Drew Holiday's defense earlier. And at the end of this game, game five, four? Five. Five, yeah, game five. Uh, we're, we're clinging to a one-point lead. 
with it's in it's in with, the balance. Yeah, and their fucking unstoppable, brilliant shooting guard Devin Booker has got the ball with how many seconds left? A minute, maybe around maybe there. a minute. Yeah, not that much. He makes a strong move across the lane. Holiday's not guarding him. Holiday's off the ball at this point. But he he he's off to the side and he's got his eye on Booker the whole time, of course. And Booker kind of gets stopped. Giannis, I think, is checking him. And his off a switch. He's care he's careless for half a second. He's and careless with the ball for like half a second. He just he if, tries to spin away from Giannis, who's cut his drive off to the basket, and Holiday has positioned himself in perfect position to just reach out and snatch the ball from him in this critical moment without fouling him. And not only then not only then does he recover the ball, but he starts charging down to the other end with it like a fast break. And who does he have filling one of the lanes on the side but Giannis Antetokounmpo? who gives him one of these, just a single finger in the air that says, toss that bitch up, I'll catch it. And Holiday puts it right on the fucking money. And we're talking almost yeah. like three, two, one, ball hanging in the air. Giannis fucking catches it and hammers it on Chris Paul. Who pushes him. Yeah, whose face is down by Giannis's balls at this point. He's getting a good look at Giannis's Greek balls. While he's getting the game winner flushed on his head. And, you know, all the fans were just like, of all the great scenarios that we could imagine right. happening, that wasn't, that was way beyond any of our wildest imaginations. So that I was alone in, in an NBA finals game. <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was kind of speechless. There was a moment of silence like, did I just fucking, what did. I'm so glad to hear this. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear this. I, I was just way. puzzled by it for a minute. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and then I started whooping and hollering, and Eden came out like, Dad, what the fuck's going on? And I was like, yeah, watch the replay. Yeah. And even Eden probably went, oh. Yeah, oh. right. Like, okay, that's something. Like the, the block in game four on the alley-oop. Like that play too in the last minute of the game, so the finals was full of that. I and will, it was Giannis all the time. I will contend that that's not the greatest block in finals history. Though. In the in, okay, it's great. I'll listen to that case. But, and and the thing that might be wrong. What's your on, better one? Is there a better one? Well, I know the it thing just by that, name. The only thing that could be wrong about this is if it was not a, an NBA Finals game. Okay, but I think it very well could have been because we're talking. Lakers era Shaq, mm -hmm. Ben Wallace era Pistons. Mm. Yeah, that's like uh, oh, like oh eight. Shaq is oh. just punishing everybody ah. at this point in his career and overpowering. Every, he is the biggest bully the NBA has ever seen. Yeah, this is a little no bit, answer for Shaq. This is a little bit like the Brock Lesnar Kane Velasquez story. Okay. Hey, he's the Brock Lesnar of the NBA. He's the Brock Lesnar of the NBA. And Ben Wallace is the Cain Velasquez mm, here. Yeah, he is. Who is smaller, but credibly strong, 
one of the all-time great NBA Afros as well. Mm. And headband Afro. Headband Afro. And he times this block, this weak side block. So he's not straight up on Shaq. Shaq's got somebody else on him that he's fucking pulverizing with a spin move. And he's turning in for what he thinks is his trademark finish of a two-handed power slam. But Wallace comes flying in from... Mm. From I'm like going to have to YouTube that. The free throw laners, you know, from 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 the periphery, He'll, he flies in and his hand is cocked back like, you know, Thor with his fucking hammer. <laughs> his huge arm just, you know, like rippling and the, you see it unfolding. You're like, oh, my God. And he punches almost the ball down, just straight down on the ball. And Shaq, he he. Puts Shaq on the ground. Oh, my God. Just lays him out with a clean block. Okay. The bully being bullied, it was breathtaking. I'll accept number two to that. <sighs> Dude. But it touches on the Giannis has been grinding every single day for eight years that in those moments he's just ready, and it's Matrix for him. You saw it. The end of every game was just the Matrix, and he... Did whatever he, like you, he did whatever he wanted, and especially in the last minute or so, last two minutes, he just did whatever he wanted. Having his way. The block, the in one of the games they lost, he had that insane chase down block, the insane alley oop, which was mostly Holiday's work. But what a pass! And that's what I, at that point in the game, they're not thinking because if you thought about that, you'd fuck it up. But it's all just muscle memory. They're tired. They're close. They're desperate. They've played this many games. It's beautiful. And they know each other that well. Yeah. They're finishing, 10,000 hours. They've they're finishing the each other's sentences. They've, that's happened before. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing it takes to win the finals, to get that kind of coronation, is you need some fucking luck. And the Bucks have had their share. The Giannis Bucks have had their share of playoff disappointment. Uh, don't need to go over every year. It's getting late. Uh, <clears throat> but our first round series with Brooklyn, I didn't enjoy a single game of that series. It was never fun because we were always on the verge of, well, it went to overtime of a seventh game. And it felt like we were losing the whole time. It never felt good. It never felt good. And they were depleted. They had quasi-injured, healthy James Harden, and Kyrie was out. And they had Blake Griffin, aging Blake Griffin, and whatever. That series was never fun, and it never felt like we were going to escape it. And you guys have seen the toe, right? We all know about the toe. If Kevin Durant's toe isn't on the three-point line, none of this is – we're not talking about this. That's how you're, that's part of it too. Like Giannis making the leap. Yep. That's part of it. Uh, but so is the ludicrous circumstances it takes to get to this point. I I don't know what you're talking about with the toe. So in game seven of the Brooklyn series, our first round series, which was supposed to be really fun and exciting. 
but it was just a brutal, uh, it was brutal. It was a brutal slog. Every game was poor shooting and always behind. And we, even when we won, it kind of sucked. It didn't look good. Uh, but in that seventh game, in order to get it to overtime, Kevin Durant shot a three in the waning seconds of the fourth quarter, and his size 14 shoe was on the three-point line, and it was a two instead of a three, which tied the game instead of winning the game. And then we beat them in overtime. The only gratifying part of the Brooklyn series was overtime of the seventh game because that's when we broke them. They were tired. They had nothing in the tank. And neither did we, but we still had Giannis. So mm. it was give the ball to Giannis. And that that started all this. It took all of that. It took the... We got behind 2-0 in that series, I think. And did we get behind 2-0 in the Phoenix seri- uh, Atlanta series too? I don't remember. It was brutal. It was brutal. But that degree of infinitesimal luck without that we're not even talking about this without mm. that coach bud is probably fired we're all Why asking was, like yeah, oh can you get thing. it done i question i heard somewhere about uh coach bud might have been fired what, what, what was that all about well fans and the media and blah, whatever complain about coach bud all the time why because that's just how sports is. Oh. Like, if things, yeah, if things don't work out, the coach gets fired. And I still haven't heard. I want to hear your love story to Giannis. I want to hear what did you like about watching him play? Why is he so good? Uh, well. You texted something like, he's one of one and yes. he's ours. Yes, that's when he, the block. Tell me, what what did you mean by that? One of one. It's that he's worked so hard and put in so many 10,000 hours that in the last two minutes of games, he just con- he just controls games. He's with his, he took him a while to get the physicality and then it took him a while to match strategy and timing with his physical gifts that he just, it's the matrix for him at the end. I think we saw that. I really, that's what I attribute it to. It's the matrix for him that he could do, that he could block an alley-oop in progress like that. It's impossible. That's impossible to be that locked in. That's an athletic feat, but that's also a, being locked in and thinking feet. Who can think like that when they're tired? Who's ah, inconceivable that, you know, with all due respect to the Ben Wallace block, um, the play was inconceivable. And that play had me up in my house by myself squealing. I was just squealing (laughs) in disbelief. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like we needed a play and, And the game, so there's like another minute, like, so Hulu, I recorded all the games, of course, 
and Hulu cuts it off right after that block. So I don't have like the actual end. But as I texted to many people ad nauseum, the game ended right there. I don't know if we were up one or down one. There was still a minute and a half left, but that just started like a, a Bucks avalanche. That like broke them in that game. Oh, okay. As soon as that happened, it was like, it went the other way and we scored. And then we just, it was just an avalanche. There was no way they were coming back from that. That was their shot. He took it away and. At that point, it doesn't. It was even, over. It doesn't even feel like confidence. It feels just like certainty. It's matrix. I, it's just I'm telling you. It's ya. beyond confidence. Yeah. It is. I. Yeah, I could profess my love for Giannis. I well, I will. Uh, I never had a doubt that he would sign his extension in Milwaukee. That was some speculation because after they lost to the Heat last year, it was the classic. Oh, Giannis unfollowed the Bucks on Instagram and. Blah, blah, blah. Just news cycle shit. Hmm. And I never doubted for a second that he was going to sign. And when they traded for Holiday, they were like, oh, that's awfully risky because what if Giannis doesn't sign? Blah, blah, blah. Well, then we have Drew Holiday, who's awesome. But this this is all meaningless because he's going to. And then he did. He signed. And he's... It's not, it's not uh, PR. Like, his story is real. He is grateful to Milwaukee for drafting him. His whole family lives in Milwaukee. And I, and I actually think in, in a fairly modest area of Milwaukee. I don't think they live in, like, some mansion somewhere. I think they live, like, in the city. And that's all he fucking cares about. That's why he's this good. By day... When, from when the rooster crows to when he can't move anymore, it's about, I want to win championship. And then as soon as he goes home, it's just about family. That's all his world is. Hmm. And it's not, it's not an Instagram story. It's not fabricated. Like, they were that poor. They were that desperate. Hmm. He is that wholesome. It's real, and it's it. That's what makes it all the more just glorious, and it's hard to believe. It's he's like too good to be true. Well, he he was. I hadn't watched him play before hmm. before this, and so I was so struck by his power. Obviously, just leaving dudes in his wake. Essentially, he was like a motorboat. Just (laughs) once he made the decision that he was going to go from his spot to the basket, it just happened. I'm I we're going to go viral for this, I'm sure. But I'm (laughs) it's it's the Matrix. I mean, it really is. He's worked that hard that he just sees it before it happens. He he. He's in the matrix. What I didn't get from him, and maybe why he's so likable, is ego. Oh man, I didn't. He get had it. viral stuff. Like they asked him that question after one of the games. You must have seen that. Come on. I don't think so. Where he said, "There," some some reporter asked him. Like uh, I don't even know what the question was, but he said. 
Well, if you, if you live in the past, that's your ego. Oh, I did this. I won this. Huh. Uh, MVP. Oh, I won the MVP. Now I'm, I made it. And you get complacent. And to say, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to win this. I'm going to win that. That's your pride. But I just try to play in the moment all the time. That's, I mean, 15 minutes ago, he just did that block. He's like a guru. That went viral. Right. It, it, it came out under like keyword humility. Right. He gave that. He's 26 years old. Wow. And gave that touching uh, analysis of how, of how he, well, you can feel how it, it happens, how it comes out. You can feel it when you watch him play. Exactly. Because exactly. I only watched a few games and I felt it. I didn't have Man. that bristling you, kind of feeling that you sometimes watch with really supreme athletes where you're like, God, they really know how exceptional they are. And right. you can just feel it oozing out of them. And when they get off the court, they're going to put on their promo hat for whatever they're advertising. And they're going to like you just there was nothing. Yeah. Nothing about him. That said that at all. And in his ESPN like dark room post game interview. Yeah. He was wearing an I Heart Jim Paschke t shirt. That's the Bucks announcer who's retiring. Oh. That was a nice move. Radio announcer. Or T no, T V. T V. Huh. Um It's it's hard to believe somebody can still be that yeah, that wholesome and like play and he said it in that interview, that dark room interview with Malika Andrews, uh, huh. that we might never do this again, and it's okay, because hmm. we did it like this, and I'd rather have one of these than be on a super team and win three. That was the one what a flex. But because of my my brothers and my zeal for the Bucks in those days, shout out to Brother Higgs, Dad would give us a couple of dollars and we could go to the bar where they might have a Pac-Man, like a flat top Pac-Man thing. <laughs> and the Bucks, the Bucks were on TV. And in those years, in the early 80s, the Bucks were always good, had a very good team, Bob Lanier. Sidney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson, Paul Pressey, uh, uh, the list goes on. Elton Lister, Harvey Catchings. Uh, always in the playoffs, but always lost to the Sixers, Dr. J. Are you fucking kidding me? And to the Larry Bird Celtics, the Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson Celtics. So we were in it. We were in it every year, and we were good. We had this good core team but could never break through got to the eastern conference finals like i think that was the pinnacle we got to the eastern conference finals against boston and we lost so i mean all of that boston all that larry bird legacy the bucks are right there in the shadows of that so after that team ages out uh we wander in the desert for a good long time so that's like early 80s so mid 80s all the way up to, I have to Google one person. 
keep this going. Glenn Robinson. What year was he drafted? 1994. So for a, a solid decade, the Bucks just wandered in the desert. Owned by Herb Cole, Senator Cole. The coach of those teams in the 80s was Don Nelson. Just a little shout out to Don Nelson. Used to wear a fish tie quite a bit. Used to rip his jacket off and get worked up quite a bit. We wandered in the desert until the 90s. We drafted Glenn Robinson, the big dog, out of Purdue. And he was, oh, he was the first overall pick in the draft. And he's 48. He's our age. January 1973. And in those wandering in the desert years, we had like no star really. We just had we had like an over the hill Terry Cummings, eh. and we had uh, Ricky Pierce, uh, sixth like sixth man of the year. Uh, we had a, a revolving door of white centers that are hilarious, like Jack Sigma, and uh, everyone over the hill, everyone past their prime. Jack Sigma won a title with the Seattle SuperSonics, but in the waning hours of his career he was a buck had a perm had a blonde perm yeah took a long time at the line modern fans would have loved him he took a long time at the free throw line a lot of breathing uh (laughs) paul mokeski a seven foot tall white guy with like balding guy with like no chin and uh randy brewer a seven foot four guy who played at minnesota yeah he's huge and uh, we had just had, so we had no star and no hope. We had a player named Elvin Robert, Elvin Robertson, who like led the league in steals. That was our highlight for a while. I had a t-shirt, one of those like animated uh, shirts, cartoon shirt, caricature shirts of Elvin Robertson. And his was playing defense. Like, <laughs> so he led the league in steals. That's all we had to look forward to. For a few, for a few years, it was Blue Edwards. Blue Edwards played for the Utah Jazz in his prime. We we still got him in his prime, but like that was our star. We just had no shot. Maybe flirted with the eighth seed in the playoffs, but just a decade of that. Just no direction. And then 1994, we get the first overall pick, and we get the most highly touted player out of college, Glenn Robinson, who was joined eventually by Ray Allen, who was Jesus Shuttlesworth in He Got Game. Denzel plays his dad. Hall of Famer. Spike Lee joint. He's a Hall of Famer. Won titles with Miami, Boston. Uh, One of the greatest shooters in league history. Uh, and particularly three-point shooter. Uh, Glenn Robinson, Ray Allen, and then this third guy, Sam Cassell. Super confident guy. Played on the Olajuwon Drexler championship teams. The Rockets teams. Those three were in Milwaukee, and we... It was kind of like the 80s. We were in the playoffs for three, four years. Always disappointing. Got to the Eastern Conference Finals one year. Got punched out by the Allen Iverson Sixers. And so Bucks fans, uh, with, with some legitimacy, said, oh, it's fucking rigged. Because the Sixers shot like 80 free throws in the decisive game to the Bucks, like 10 or something. You know, asinine. They lived at the free throw line, and everybody said, well, they want Iverson versus Kobe and Shaq, blah, blah, blah. So that era comes to a disappointing end. Good coach, George Carl. Love the guy. I went to a playoff game in that era. 
I watched them. I, I got to sit in the way nosebleeds and they played the Pacers, the Reggie Miller Pacers. He was at the end too, by the mid nineties. Like he was way at the end. Um, but it was exciting. It was fun to be there. We lost. Uh, so then from the mid nineties, we have another little bit of, of lacking identity. Ray Allen goes to the Celtics. Uh, Sam Cassell's too old. Glenn Robinson was never in shape to begin with. Uh, so that team just sort of disintegrates. And eventually we win the draft lottery in 2000 or 2001. And we get Andrew Bogut, the beautiful Jersey you see here. Uh, that was, as I said, the Chris Paul's in that draft. So lots of what ifs, as Bill would say, like sliding doors. Uh, the second player picked in that draft, I think, was Marvin Williams. He ended up being a buck for a while the last year or so. Just strange how this stuff comes around. Michael uh, Red Michael Red. In the wandering after the big dog era. Good call. Scores. Michael Red carried the bucks. And we were terrible, but he scored like a machine. He scored like crazy. Uh, don't want to try to quote his stats. But good call. He was our star. He was our attraction. Back when we wore purple uniforms. For some reason, we in the 90s, we transitioned into these horrible purple uniforms. Yep. All the teams dabbled in going totally crazy uh, against what they had. And now the Bucks are kind of back to what they always were. So the Bogut years. Uh, Bogut was first overall pick in a draft. Has high expectations. Hurt a lot. Not his fault. He's a tough guy. He's Australian guy. Uh, good player. Smart. Once won a ring at least with Golden State at the end. Um, just misfortune. Had some tragic injuries. Got like undercut on a dunk, and came down and shattered his uh, forearm or something. You know, injuries like that. Just super unfortunate injuries. Um, so yeah, flirted with the playoffs. Pretty good. Michael Red Bogut. Uh, hard to quote any other players that would have played back then. And then it's a wasteland. and <laughs> Yeah, the Vin Baker was in the purple era. Yeah, he was a high pick who was disappointing, had substance issues, you know, stuff like that. That's sports. High draft pick, drinks too much, you know, does coke. Uh, oh, and then if I sat here long enough and thought of players, Larry Sanders recently, uh, Guy with a lot of talent, but like substance problems, partied, you know, he didn't commit and he partied and he, you don't last. Um, so after the Bogut era, disappointment of that, some more wasteland, then pressure starts coming on Herb Cole to sell the bucks because he's getting old. Uh, it has to happen. Uh, built a coal center in 19, whatever. 88, I don't know, 92. Like the same as the Target Center, same generation. Uh, and did we have Giannis before Herb Cole sold the Bucks? It's too late to Google stuff. But we get bought by hedge fund owners, hedge fund dudes. Uh, Mark Lazary and uh, the other one. Right before the Bucks sold, or right after, the Clippers got sold under out from under Donald Sterling for like 500 million or something. 
and the Bucks got bought for less, considerably less. Um, so let's wrap it up. Uh, Mark Lazary and the other guy buy the team. Uh, the Cole Center is getting old by arena standards. They pull the strings, push the buttons to build the Pfizer Forum and kind of transform the whole stadium area. Uh, and eight years into the Giannis era, he delivers a, a trophy and and now enjoy every minute of it, guys. Enjoy every minute. The the draft. So the king is dead. Long live the king. The draft is July 29th this week, and now the other 29 teams start pulling the strings and moving the levers to get better, to fill holes, to make a run at the Bucks. You know who's gonna be waiting for them? You know who's gonna be waiting for them? Giannis to dunk on their dreams. Giannis to dunk on their dreams. Uh, folks, I know you enjoyed the finals as much as we did. And uh, yeah, it's like a Packers Super Bowl. It's like a Badgers Rose Bowl. It's like when the Brewers were in the World Series. It's it's momentous and it's rare when your team is good. So uh, so let's enjoy this. Uh, hopefully for years to come. And even if it all goes south, we had it once. And, uh, and it was good. And it was good. Good night, everybody. Me while I play as a fly enthusiasm aimed at your indifference Scan the floor for one tap and do a bobbin hand Very signal coming back on the same man for Rick frequency wavelength How's the reception connection? Don't flip the dial, that's your performance It's commercial free, it's commercial free Only thing for sale up here is me and my seat Feel free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs Gotta make and I can turn it up but I can't turn you down Gotta make what I need to do Less is more, more is what I'm telling you.